1: Part of this 5-1 start, and I found this a little shocking, and I forgot, jeez, did I miss this? It might have been Jeremy Fowler, it might have been Duggan, whoever had this reported, that don't sleep on the Giants maybe necessarily not being involved, either selling a Tony or buying a piece, a guy on a rookie deal perhaps, at the trade deadline. Paul, there's been a guy like Chase Claypool bountied around a little bit. I'm not saying the Giants are going to be big shoppers, but it suddenly feels like... Joe Shane, he's not going to trade big draft capital at all, and he's going to look for a deal that's very, very friendly. But maybe it wouldn't be surprising if the Giants do actually add a piece here, Paul, before the deadline after the start.
0: Sean, if the Giants do anything, it's not going to be because this particular receiver on another team is the best fit and can help get them to the next level. That's not going to be the primary reason. The primary reason is going to be, A, is he cheap enough so that Shane does not have to give up significant draft capital yep, because yep. he values those picks in building this team over the course of the next two to three years.
1: And, and oh, by the way, Paul, look at the picks he took this year and why the Giants are here. How many of them are contributing in big ways? And that's the reason. Bingo. Bingo. He, he has tremendous value in those
0: picks. And so he doesn't look at them as throwaways like many other people might. The other thing is we know that they're very tight on the cap. So anybody they take in is not going to be able to accelerate their number very much. So my question to you is, what guy would possibly fit those conditions and be a significant enough upgrade from what they have now that he's going to have to feel obligated to pull the trigger? I just don't think that there's a fit out there. If I'm Pittsburgh... And I I get it. They've got some premier younger receivers now even though Claypool is still a young veteran and they've got some other guys that they think they want to move ahead with. And he's in the you know a situation where they could move him. He's a, he's a tradable piece. I just don't understand how he's going to fit because if I'm Pittsburgh, I'm not giving
1: this guy up for nickels and dimes. Yeah. He's Claypool's too good. I agree with that. Well, Paul, then there's going to be the other name that gets bountied around. And I'm not necessarily the biggest fan, but you never know. Would you, Let me say this before I say this. Would you say that this year coming up in the offseason, when the Giants have money to spend plus all their draft picks to use, that they are going to be in the market for a guy that they think to compare Wondell Robinson as a number one wide receiver? Because I do. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt
0: they're going to look for a top-notch receiver, but they may decide they're going to get that guy in the draft. They could.
1: And that they, they, could. they don't have to go through free agency or a deal to do it. Well, the only reason I say that is there is a guy they can afford on this year's deal for $650,000 the rest of the year, but would have to pay him like a number one wide receiver next year. And that is DJ Moore out of Carolina. And because of his salary next year, the Carolina Panthers may not be looking for a first or second pick, but that is a guy who is a number one wide receiver in this league. Now, the question of course would have to be, do you trade for DJ Moore just because he's a number one receiver or do Dable and Shane and Kafka view him as a fit? But that is another guy potentially keep your eye on here that could financially make it work with the Giants. I understand why you would say that, Sean. The question becomes not only,
0: A, are you going to want to give him that balloon payment after you make the deal, and then the other question needs to be asked. Carolina, they know that there are a handful of high-quality teams who could desperately use a receiver of this caliber. Don't you think they're going to make it that a little bit of a bidding war, and they're going to drive that price up?
1: It's true, which is why <clears throat> I'm going to utter two words here. Odell Beckham might be cornering the market here, not necessarily to the Giants, but where he falls may end up leading the DJ Moore to go to the suitors who don't get Odell. Beckham yeah. Here.
0: Yeah. So I, I think I, that, I, that, that, that is actually a very logical scenario for people outside the Giants walls. I just think it's going to be very difficult for them to find the match that fits all of the angles of the prism. That's now, really Paul, what it
1: comes well, down to. I'm not necessarily pounding the table here because you know what, if you told me we're not adding a damn thing and we're going with this and who knows what the future of Tony is, maybe again, anything out of him down the line. But the bottom line is this, if you want to stay the course with this team, I'm fine with it. I'm totally fine with it. I'm just shocked though. You know, as I read through stories this week, "Wow, well, maybe the trends might be a little more active than I thought. Now, that being said, when you talk about tight salary caps and everything else coming up, we saw Tony Jefferson is on IR. So he's going to miss at least the next three weeks here. Where are we at with Landon Collins, Paul? You're around that facility. Are we going to see one of these practice squad elevations anytime soon?
0: I just saw Collins do a whole bunch of conditioning drills again yesterday, and that made me think he's at least another week away. Dable himself said during his presser that uh, they're going to ramp him up this week and continue with the conditioning drills and continue to feed him the playbook. Well, when I heard that, I said, okay, it's probably going to be another week. And then when I saw what I saw – Uh, that he was doing a lot more conditioning drills again, which was what Dable promised. I was pretty much convinced that it would not be this week.
1: Yeah. And and, and that's going to tie us and and arrange us right into looking at this Jaguar matchup and looking at this preview. I would agree. I don't think that Landon Collins is a guy. It's funny because if you would have told me last week, they brought him in some kind of spy package to look at Lamar Jackson and before it, I don't think that this is a matchup where you need to, and I hate to use this word, waste a practice squad elevation on Landon Collins. If he is not ready now, Paul, Giants Jaguars Sunday 1 p.m. Eastern down in Jacksonville a stadium that has a pool for crying out loud the Jaguars are two and four uh, and there was a moment in time after week three where people appointed the Jaguars maybe they're a surprise maybe they're a team that can win a division now it is a crappy division remember the Giants have already beaten the Titans down there in that division as well look. Here's what I see, Paul, and tell me if I'm crazy. I think that the team does have upside. I think Trevor Lawrence clearly is upside. I think Doug Peterson is upside as a coach and his creativity on offense. But they are not doing what the Giants are doing in terms of getting the most out of you know the lesser talent they have. And Doug Peterson even said this a week ago they have to learn how to finish games. Right now, they're a young team that doesn't know how to finish games, and their coach is telling you that. Well, what's one thing we've seen from Giant football over six weeks? That's a young team that has learned how to finish games. In fact, forget finish them. They've learned and, and not blinked when they've been down multiple scores versus big teams. So when I look at it from that point of view, this is not some kind of matchup the last couple of weeks where you're looking at the Giants on the field talent and going, boy, how are they going to figure out how to outcoach this one and get the most out of beating greater talent? I look at talent on both sides of the ball, and this is one of the rare matchups. I think the Giants just flat out have more of it. So if they have more of it, and they are a team that I've seen know how to finish games, where the Jaguars own head coach is telling you that they know how to finish games, how do I not feel confident as a Giant fan, despite the bogus three-point spread, which by the way started at two and has now jumped to three, where betters and everybody's just tripping over themselves to say you know to bet on the Giants' downfall? I don't think it's coming this week, Paul. You you know what? I, I I'm going to be
0: straight with you here, Sean. I've looked at the tapes. It's hard to believe that the Giants would not be at least a touchdown favorite in this game, and I mean that, and I'm not I'm not trying to wa- ride the wave of Giants' Kool-Aid right now. It's just that this is a better team. Matchup on matchup, head-to-head, it's a better team. Uh, I think what you also have to take into account is that Wink Martindale, who has used six different defensive philosophies in each of the six games they played, is going to have some really cool stuff, for uh, Mr. Lawrence to view as he comes up out of the huddle and goes over center. My understanding, and you see it on tape, is that Lawrence doesn't want to settle for the safe play. He doesn't want to settle for the check down. He's going to force the ball downfield. He wants to make the big play. He has a lot of confidence for a very young quarterback in this league. Those are the kinds of things that get you in trouble when you go up against a defensive guru like Wink Martindale, who is going to break out the entire encyclopedia and show this kid what it's like to play in the NFL. I will be very surprised if he does not really flummox uh, Trevor Lawrence during the course of this game.
1: Flummox? Is that what you just said? Really flummox? Flummox. Flummox. Paul, I it took me six years to get a four-year college degree here, pal. I mean, you're gonna have to dumb it down for me. But that being <laughs> that being said, I think you're right. That's and, what Trevor Lawrence wants. He's gonna yeah, want to dumb down defense to oppose. Dumb down. And look, they spent a lot of money on Christian Kirk. If Adoree Jackson's healthy, I'm not worried in the least bit about Christian Kirk in this game.
0: Uh well, Holmes and, will be on him, Sean. Yeah. He's gonna be mostly in the slot, two-thirds of the time, and that'll be Donna Holmes's guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, okay, so if the Holmes is there, maybe maybe you get beat for a big play, whatever, Then this, that, and the other thing. But you know what? Last week, you were all over Julian Love, maybe getting two picks. He gets one, helps seal the game. You know, those things can come in bunches for the Giants. And as you said, young quarterback like Trevor Lawrence, maybe seeing some exotic looks he hasn't seen before in the NFL because that's the kind of thing Wick Martindale does, would not shock me if the Giants, this is their two-interception game or something like that. And on top of that, Look, the Jaguars' offensive line has been hit or miss in some of these games as well. Oh, yes. by the way, they had a lot of trouble week one versus the Commanders without Chase Young. Uh, again, if you want to tell you, you got better than the Jaguars, they actually lost to the Commanders in week one. Tell me that this is not a game that Kayvon Thibodeau could wreak havoc in. Uh, obviously, Dexter Lawrence up front. I'm licking my chops if I'm the Giants defense. This is a real, real opportunity here. And as you said, I think I think Wick Martindale is going to shine. And I, I think this is a pass rush slash turnover game for the Giants.
0: You know, I've never been impressed with Cam Robinson. I don't know why they gave him huge money. I, I just don't think he's a an elite left tackle. Jawan Taylor has been extremely inconsistent. They brought in Brandon Sheriff and gave him a ton of money. Well, that's fine. He's a terrific player. I understand that. But now you combine that with a third-round pick and Fortner being the center. This, this is a good time to play a Jaguars team that is certainly looking to improve and, and retool and rebuild. But they're nowhere near a finished product. This is yeah. a great time if you're the Giants to play them because they've got a lot of rough edges around this team. And their secondary is, is, is given up, I believe it's the fourth most yards after the catch in the National Football League. They give up a lot of space. They give up a lot of room. And if Saquon is able to break that first line of defense, how do you think they're going to feel trying to tackle him? They got a lot of missed tackles on this defense. They don't tackle very well. Saquon is at least liable to bust a couple of 40-yarders.
1: And you talked about the Kool-Aid wave as I ride this here with the Giants. Paul, the one thing that's been... I guess the only thing really that's frustrated me about the Giants' season has been their slow starts offensively, but they've picked it up in the second half and Saquon's been a closer and Daniel Jones has had these drives where he's just commanded the huddle and taking the giants down the field. We have now seen back-to-back weeks in that second half and what the giants have done. Oh, by the way, if Saquon doesn't slide down, this is a team that, and an offense that ends up scoring over 30 points in a game, something we haven't seen since my daughter Taylor was literally born beating Washington that day. She's about to be three years old, Paul, on that day was the last time the Giants scored 30 points On the sheet, She she is a walking figment of the Giants' 30-point drought. Every time I look at her, I go, that's it. That's the last time. So here we are, bro.
0: Let's not forget the Giants' defense provided the offense
1: with a couple of outstanding pieces of field position. No doubt. No doubt. But what I'm saying here is they've gotten off to these slow starts. But you do sense that the Giant offense, every week that comes by, and maybe it's only in the second half and that's fine, Daniel Jones is getting more and more comfortable every single week in this offense. They're throwing more out of that treasure chest of plays out there. Wondell Robinson gets comfortable last week. Heck, Daniel Bellinger keeps picking up more and more of this playbook, and Saquon Barkley has been all-world. Paul, it it feels like a wave is coming here for the Giants, where with that secondary, I think that we finally see the Giants score 30 points. I'm not giving my official prediction yet because we're about five minutes away from that, but there is real opportunity here to get a 30-point effort from the Giants.
0: I like their ability to hit big plays against this defense. I also noticed from looking at the tape that the center of the field is a very, very fertile uh, spot for opposing offenses, which means Richie James should be able to have a really nice game. If they can get Wandell in there somehow with some slants and crosses, he should have some room to operate. Obviously, Bellinger uh, right. is going to have room to operate. I, I honestly think that The Giants passing attack, I think they're going to be a little more balanced this week. I I think this is not necessarily going to be run heavy, have Barkley run for 90 yards, 110 yards or whatever, and go heavy, heavy, heavy on the run. I got a feeling they're going to be a lot more balanced, and and they're going to be able to take advantage of some of the soft spots in, in that Jaguars
1: defense and control the game that way. And geez, dare I say a play action pass to Darius Slayton deep? Could that happen? I guess that's possible. Anything is possible. And then You know, I was talking
0: to Darius yeah. yesterday, Sean, and, and I said to him, I thought that defensive back was gonna ask you to dance the way he was <laughs> clutching you. And and he had you for about five seconds in the end zone with his arm wrapped around you. I was waiting for a little dozy doe. Yeah, at and he Paul, goes, look, man, I want I wanted the touchdown catch. He goes, The interference was great. I'm glad they called it first down at the one.
1: But he's like I wanted to get that touchdown catch. <laughs> Paul, you'd be shocked. Ravens fans are still five days later complaining about that call, saying you can't call in that spot. What are you talking about? He was freaking mugged. Jags Ridiculous. giving up 89 rushing yards per game. So, again, they have a taste of the fact. Deceiving, backers. though.
0: Yeah. Deceiving because teams have been throwing on them, yeah. not having to rely on the running game because they it, 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 it alters the numbers.